We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Podcast Friday edition for this weekend's NFL games, folks. Hi there, football fans. I'm Paul Bruno, and I invite you to follow me at Statsman22. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, John McKechnie, who's an entertaining and informative follow at Johnny McKex. Well, it's Friday, and that means we get a chance to put a bow on Rotowire's weekly series of position-based podcasts, where we will take a look at the kicker options and then come up with our best recommendations for full lineups as John and I share our top picks at each position These choices will make up our FanDuel rosters for this weekend's games. But before we get into these topics, I feel obliged to give John a chance to chirp me about baseball. I went to the ballgame between our clubs last night, and the O's beat the Jays 4-0 to climb into a tie in the AL wildcard race. John, you must be a very happy guy. I'm going to close my ears and let you start. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So, so, you know, if if you're listening just for uh, football purposes, didn't listen to our baseball DFS podcast over the summer, Paul and I are are on opposite ends there. Uh, Paul, big Blue Jays fan. I'm a big Orioles fan. So uh, coming into this week, I, I was just hoping that the Orioles could somehow scrap their way in and make the playoffs uh, at, at the second wild card spot. But now after taking two out of three from the Blue Jays, it looks like both of us are kind of sitting pretty. It's just a matter of 
who does better this weekend, uh, you know, the Blue Jays versus the Red Sox down in Boston or, or Baltimore up against the Yankees. Uh, so I think that'll kind of be the deciding factor as to who gets the home field advantage for that wild card game. But I think both will both teams will, will be able to take care of business to the point where neither of them lose the wild card spot to like the Tigers or the Mariners. I think the Tigers or Mariners uh, will be on the outside looking in. I'm wearing my, my Braves shirt uh, this today just to uh, kind of show my support for the Braves as, as they go into a, like a really weird, you know, se- uh, season ending series against the Tigers. It's sort of a strange interleague matchup to, to wrap up the season, but here we are. Yeah, it's most timely for the Tigers, and they're they're probably licking their chops. But uh, Braves have been pretty good lately. I yes, think they've they been have. like nine out of their last ten or something. Yes, they have a great time for them to get on from our perspective. But uh, now that that's out of the way, we certainly will face a nervous weekend watching the baseball box scores. But we oh, yeah. to see if uh, either or both of our clubs advance, and we'll probably watch them face off for an AL wild card game. But we have some business to take care of. Looking at first of all last night's NFL tilt. These Thursday night games are usually a dog's breakfast, and this fits right in. A couple of standouts for Cincinnati. Andy Dalton, to me, looked like a lock for 300 yards passing in this one. He came up only four yards short. And if there's only one disappointment for me as a Dalton owner in my Vegas league, it's that he didn't rack up more than one TD pass as the Bengals settled for five field goals. They dominated time of possession, but who doesn't against that Dolphins team? That defense is on the field more than any other in the NFL through the first three games. Now four for them. The only big winners, as we say, apart from Andy Dalton, were A.J. Green, the wideout for Cincinnati, a primary target, who called in 10 balls for 173 yards on the TD, and the Bengals kicker, Mike Nugent, who racked up those five field goals in a convert. On the flip side, there was nothing positive to report about it with a passing game for Dolphins that, that, that gained only 189 yards, and they abandoned a running game that's surprising to me, uh, averaged almost five yards a, a carry in 13, only 13 carries. Is it any wonder that the Dolphins' defense leads the league in time on the field? John, what are your thoughts about this game? Yeah, it seems like the Dolphins just have an innate inability to, to, stop, to stop teams from moving the chains on them. I feel like their teams are always able to you know, convert their third downs against them, and that always you know, leads to, to long drives and being out on the field longer than you'd want. And it also seems like on the other side of the coin, the Dolphins offense i think at one point like eight eight drives into the game or nine drives into the game only one of them was longer than four plays so you know that's a recipe to tire out your defense in a huge way um so it's not a huge surprise to me that, that the Bengals were able to dominate the time of possession here and then you look at aj green and who he's matched up against a, a guy in tony lippett you know they left byron maxwell on the bench all night they they go with lippett who was a wide receiver at michigan state uh, now he's now they have him playing corner. What do you think's going to happen? Of course, AJ Green's just going to torch him. So I mean, those are in the game. It just seems like the Dolphins are. If if their fans haven't already accepted that this is this is going to be a pretty long year for them, I think they should start taking a harder look at themselves. Yeah, strap yourself in. I mean, one of the guys that I was looking at before this game was Kenny Stills as an option for me. That as a Des Bryant owner. Uh, he caught one pass for 71 yards and a TD. That's 13 FanDuel points on one play, but that was the only toss that came his way. Uh, Jarvis Landry was a nice volume play, but that's about all you can say positively about the Dolphins' circumstance. Any other final thoughts on that game or about those two receivers, in fact? Well, I like Landry in the sense that he, he's, uh, he's obviously Ryan Tannehill's favorite target. It doesn't seem like Tannehill likes to chuck it deep. And, you know, Landry's skill set is working, you know, in the short intermediate areas of the field, going over the middle, uh, getting schemed open a little bit. So he, 
he's definitely a guy that, that you can kind of lock in for, for you know, double-digit targets every single week, whereas uh, Stills is sort of just like a, a like the epitome of a boomer bust guy, but uh, the boom upside seems to be very limited. You know, for, for every one time that he makes a play like last night, uh, there's another play like the one in Seattle where he drops a wide-open touchdown. So Stills is a hard guy for me to trust. Landry's the only guy... Uh, right now that, that you feel really good about starting uh, among that Dolphins receiving core, but pretty much only in PPR type formats because he doesn't uh, pick up like a ton of yardage. Okay, I'm going to look elsewhere. You sold me. Uh, cool. Rob, Rob Gronkowski finally played a few snaps last week for the Pats. Are you on him this week or are you more concerned about the New England quarterback position? Yeah, I think the, the quarterback uh, position is going to be an issue. I think that you, uh, one of your picks down the line, uh, correctly assumes what the Patri- how the Patriots are going to approach this game, uh, going run heavy because Garoppolo is dealing with a shoulder, Jacoby Brissett's dealing with a thumb. Those are two injuries that can definitely uh, hinder a quarterback's ability uh, to get the ball out there. So even if Gronk is healthy, you know, after you know playing a handful of snaps last week and hopefully having an uptick in workload this week, I still am not entirely confident that, I, that I'd be willing to pay up all the way to get a guy like Gronk you at know, tight end. You know, I have to highlight Edelman here. He's one of my favorite players. If I have one on the Pats, this guy is that He's moving ever closer to taking snaps as the QB in New England. And uh, Terrell Pryor in a similar position in, with the Cleveland. They both may get an opportunity. Uh, does that make these guys stand out values for you this week? Um, I think it's like a, a nice little... Uh, added element, but I don't think it's much more than just like a like a minor gimmick that that's like you know they they quote unquote see time at quarterback. But w- the way I see that playing out is you know them maybe going two for four uh, for like twenty five yards, and then you have like the risk of them like throwing an interception or, or bobbling the snap because they're just not used to uh, seeing the reps back there. So. Uh, I like both those receivers this week in general, even with the shaky quarterback play, just because they have such uh, solidified roles. I mean, especially, you know, prior now that Josh Gordon isn't going to be around, like you can pretty much count on prior to be uh, one of Cleveland's best receivers, if not their best weapon. Uh, So I like both those guys, but I don't think the quarterback element really does much for me one way or the other. Well, I'm on the opposite, opposite side of that equation. In fact, both of these guys are in my lineup today. I'll, I'll build their case a little bit later. And a third guy that I'm really concerned about as a Cowboys fan is De- Des Bryant. This guy refused to go for the MRI. Uh, unclear sa- status around him. Doesn't look like he's going to play this week, John. I, that's the latest that I see. Uh, Witten, Beasley, and Terrence Williams should get more reps this week, though, shouldn't they? Oh, yeah, they'll, they'll definitely, you know, see boosts and targets. I think I feel the best about Witten amongst that group because I feel like, you know, Dak, a rookie quarterback, looking for the safe option. Uh, so I think that Witten is a guy that's going to see a lot of balls thrown his way. I could see Beasley as well uh, kind of just working as the, as the short route guy that, you know, he always does. But uh, even he'll probably get even more looks than, than usual this week. I, I just don't think that, like, like Terrence Williams necessarily, like, uh, he might get more reps and, and whatnot, but I, I'm not sure that his production is really going to go uh, off the charts just because Dez is out. Well, I'm going to hold my breath as a Cowboys fan. I like the matchup against the 49, 49ers, even though it's in San Francisco. But you've got to be happy. This is a week for you to crow, man. Your Ravens are 3-0. How have they done that so far? Uh, the key 
is to play bad teams. <laughs> That's uh, a when, pretty succinct uh, analysis. Yeah, I mean, when, when the teams that you faced are a combined one and eight, uh, you know, good things are going to happen to you in all likelihood. I mean, the, if you look at the Jags game last week in particular, they're just... They, they were, the Ravens were giving them chances. Flacco was giving them chances to salt the game away. I think the, the Jaguars probably had three possessions inside the Ravens' 40-yard line in the fourth quarter last week, and they, all they could do with that is, is convert one point or three, three points out of, that, out of those possessions, uh, and they also turned the ball over twice in those possessions. So uh, that is just uh, a bad team to go against. Uh, so the Ravens have another relatively soft matchup this week against the Raiders. I don't think that the Ravens are necessarily the worst 3-0 team ever by any means, but I don't think that this is a 3-0 team that you feel like, oh yeah, this is how you start the season. This is, a, this is the start of a playoff run either. Once that schedule gets tougher, I think the Ravens will, will show their true colors and it's going to be that of an average team. Well, we get to talk about another guy who's going to come back to his team, just like Gronkowski, in a bigger role. Le'Veon Bell is back for the Steelers. Do you think that makes him a must-start with the expectation of a full workload? And what about D'Angelo Williams, who's done all you can ask in his absence? I think, you know, by all reports and, you know, from what Mike Tomlin has said, it seems like Bell is just going to step right in and be that workhorse again. But, you know, how true that really is, how, how strictly he adheres to that sort of promise... You know, we don't really know, and we're not going to know, because, you know, Bell has, you know, supposedly stayed in, in tip-top shape during his suspension. Um, but there, to me, there's really no substitute uh, for, for, you know, game speed. So, I mean, I think there is going to be a little bit of an adjustment for Bell. I still think he's going to have a solid game. Uh, I really hope that D'Angelo Williams' touches don't completely fall off the table. I think he's proven to be a valuable enough back to where, you know, he warrants, uh, you know, eight to ten touches even with Bell in the fold. So well, it's, that's going to be one of the main things that I think all fantasy players are really monitoring closely from that game. Yeah, for my money, I'm going to shy away from that just because of what you just said. Even that volume of touches is significant enough to drop the yardage total 40 or 50 yards. So that's enough for me to stay away. Uh, well, like I said in the opening today, we're going to finish our weekly show cycle with a look at the top kicker values on the board. John, in general, who looks like uh, one of those guys that fits the bill for you? I'm going to go with uh, Dustin Hopkins of the Redskins. Uh, Hopkins has, a, has attempted 11 field goals thus far this season, most among kickers that have played three games, and he's made all of them. Uh, so the Redskins are in the, in the matchup against the Browns, uh, where they should be able to move the ball into, into positive territory, into the Browns' territory, more often than not. So... Uh, I think it's also worth noting that the Redskins are just having trouble punching it in. They, you know, like I said, 11 field goal attempts versus just five extra point attempts. So that, that goes to show that, that the Redskins uh, have a penchant for having their drive sputter out. So I think that Hopkins, uh, even with the Browns being kind of a sieve on defense, I think he should get a good mix of, of field goal attempts from like the 20 to 30 yard line. And I think he should probably hopefully uh, get a couple extra point attempts in there as well. So I think at 4,500, he's a nice little value kicker that, that I think uh, the opportunities are, are key when you're looking at kickers. I think he's going to get them. I'll throw two more names into that mix. I'm always a Dan Bailey fan. Uh, he remains a very accurate kicker. In fact, the best in history, despite missing a 47-yarder last week. And the Cowboys have shown a penchant for not finishing off a high percentage of their drives with TDs once again. 
Arizona's Chandler Catanzaro is another guy that I'm looking at as the Cards are back home this week facing the Rams, and I think the Cards are going to run up a big score, and kickers always factor into that. So uh, we'll come back around and, uh, to that as part of our lineups, but for now, we've got to give a nod to FanDuel and remind everybody that fantasy football fans have all the victory every Sunday with FanDuel, where fantasy football is there for every day for fans. And we have new contests starting every week, no busted seasons. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time. New this year, there's an upgraded experience. Get, get even more content variety. Try beginner contests for new players only. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head -head contest. John and I are in the same Vegas league, so we'll go to head-to-head -head in a few weeks. We're both off to a good start in that league, by the way. Uh, Indeed. Try a 50-50 contest where the top half win cash Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement. Play for a dollar. Choices for every budget. John, we've had a fun time in that Vegas league. I gotta, I gotta go against. I'm a division leader in one division, and you're right up there in another. I take on the division leader and the guy who leads in point scoring. And I'm a little concerned about the fact that Dalton didn't rack up the touchdowns for me, but he did get a good game score. The quarterback position is vital, isn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's that's why I went with Roethlisberger in that league. I think that's, uh, you know. I've played with fire in, in other leagues uh, a little bit. Um, I'm in probably too many leagues right now, but um, you, you know, in a couple of them, you know, I tried different strategies, tried waiting it out. Um, I'm starting Eli Manning in a bunch of leagues this week. Uh, I have Marcus Mariota as my starter in a couple places, and Mariota, uh, a lot of turnovers in that first week that kind of uh, killed the Titans, and then last week, you know, what do you even say? Like four, four points, four fantasy points. So. I'm, I'm officially panicking slash dropping him pretty much everywhere that I can. So it, it really does go to show that, like, even, like, it, it's sometimes the, the fantasy sharps will be like, oh, you can just, you can just wait on your quarterback. It, it always makes you feel a little bit safer to get a, a top-flight quarterback. I could not agree with you more, and I know that some of our peers in, in uh, Rotowire do feel like what you just said. They think, oh, I can get a quarterback later, but I'd want to get one of those guys that's almost a lock for 300 yards or odds-on for 300 yards passing and a couple of TD tosses every week, wouldn't you? Exactly, yeah. I mean, like, guys like Rogers Luck, Roethlisberger, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing the early season struggles of Russell Wilson because he's getting beat up behind that really subpar offensive line. I can't believe the Seahawks aren't doing more to sort of protect their investment there. And, uh, and Cam Newton has also been taking an absolute beating, albeit he has faced two of the three best defenses, in my opinion, in the entire NFL to start the year. And I'll throw one more comment in about a quarterback and that's underperforming, that's Aaron Rodgers. If you look at his stats, he's averaging just a hair under 200 yards a game, well off his career norms. And uh, if you prorate that, he'll finish up 1,000 yards less than his career averages, I was looking at it, with seven or fewer pass reception, pass completions. So I look for him to turn it around, though. That's a guy that's in a blue chip situation in a moment. Cool. Have all the fantasy football has to offer, folks. FanDuel, be sports rich. They have a special offer for new users where you get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to fanduel.com slash RW. Not only will you get the free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel as well. That's over $40 in value for just 10 bucks. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Okay, John, it's time for our FanDuel lineups. Your quarterback, sir. I'm going to go with uh, Mr. Cam Newton himself. He's 9,300, so, you know, he's a very expensive play here. But I, I have a feeling that, that people might be fading him a little bit 
uh, this week based off of last week's performance and, and his sort of overall slow start to the year, like I mentioned. Uh, but he's you also just have to consider that he's gone against two of the three best defenses in the NFL, bar none, in, in going against the Broncos on the road and going against the, the Viking, uh, Vikings defense that is looking uh, like a bunch of, like the purple people eaters of old. Um, so he, this week he gets to go against the Falcons in the Dome. I know that's on the road, and, and I think that people are maybe forgetting how bad the Falcons' defense is. They're giving up 313 yards uh, through the air per game and giving up 120 on the ground. So even though they ended up on the winning side of the ledger against the Saints, it's not like their defense was, was really uh, you know, holding the Saints back a whole lot. And they kind of had a fluky defensive touchdown that sort of buoyed uh, their overall numbers in that game. So I think Cam's going to be able to dominate this one. Uh, both through the air and on the ground. And I think, you know, this is a huge game for the Panthers. I know it's early, but, you know, if, they're, if they lose, you know, that, that puts the Falcons at, at what, 3-1 and one and, and, you know, sort of in the early driver's seat in the division. So this is a must-have for the Panthers. I think Cam Newton's going to be, be a big reason why they get this win. Well, I'm looking at a game that screams over because it features two terrible defenses and two gunslingers. So I had a coin flip between Philip Rivers and Drew Brees in this one. I went and mm-hmm. saved 100 bucks on uh, Rivers. He faces fellow gunslinger Brees in this matchup where both quarterbacks will fill the air with balls against defenses that flat out stink, John. The Chargers have home field advantage, so I'll save the 100 bucks and take Rivers, who seems a safe bet to top. 300 yards and record at least a pair of TD tosses in this one. Believe me when I say this, it's a very safe bet. Rivers has a very high floor this week, and that's why I spend big bucks over here. Then your running backs, John. I'm going to go with Isaiah Crowell of the Browns. He, he's only at 6,600 uh, going against the Redskins. Uh, the Redskins ranked dead last in the league in, in rush defense DVOA. Uh, it's a football outsiders metric. And the Browns are going to be running it a lot because, you know, Cody Kessler is going to be their starting quarterback again this week. So that means don't let him throw more than uh, 20 times, you know, if at all possible. So I think Crowell is going to see a ton of touches. Uh, he's averaging 6.1 yards per carry. He's got three runs of 20 or more yards thus far this season. So he's been, he's shown the explosiveness that you like and, and just the general per carry production that's been very encouraging, especially coming into a game uh, against a Washington run defense that's been really be, uh, just sort of taken out uh, to this point in the season. Uh, and then for my second running back, a little more expensive route, uh, I'm going to go back to the, to the game that you just mentioned, Melvin Gordon of the Chargers going against the, uh, the Saints uh, run defense that, as we saw on Monday night, got absolutely gashed by Devontae Freeman. Um, and I think there's a couple like team context things that, that kind of work in Gordon's favor where like everyone else in that backfield has gotten hurt. I and mean, Brandon Oliver's done for the year. It looks like Woodhead's done for the year. Um, so... I, I just think that it, Gordon makes a lot of sense. He's going to see the ball a lot, both as a pass catcher and as a runner. So I could definitely see him uh, more than hitting value at 7,600. Yeah, I like him as an RB1 option in, in season long, actually, because of that situation. In fact, I'm pretty pleased that I, I snaked him in the Rotowire Vegas League as well. So that's working out for Smart. Him. Uh, in terms of my running backs, you hinted at this earlier. I am going with LeGarrette Blunt of the Patriots for 7500 bucks. He figures to continue as the bell cow in the Pats' rushing attack, which looks like it will be the biggest part of the, their uh, offense in a week where their quarterbacking is really in disarray again, the final week of Mr. Brady's uh, suspension. We have to give this team a nod for the way they've played without Brady, and no one has thrived in his absence as much as Blunt. 
Look at the numbers, John. He leads the NFL in rushing attempts, yards, and TDs. So how does he rank only ninth on this week's running back price list at, at FanDuel? That's shocking to me, and I'm jumping all over it. And another guy who's in a very dominant circumstance is in Denver. That's C.J. Anderson. Uh, he is. Uh, it's a big game for him and the Broncos here because he was limited against Cincinnati last week even though Denver won that game, and Anderson needs to reassert himself in an offense that's guided by an unheralded rookie quarterback in Simeon, and so he needs to be complemented by the potential of a dominant running game. I say the Broncos feed their top running back a lot this week to reestablish his confidence and the team's confidence in that scheme. Let's swing over to the receiver set. Your wide receivers, John. Uh, I'm going with uh, one expensive option and two sort of bargain guys. Uh, Antonio Brown, uh, 9,400, going against the Chiefs. I know it's uh, it's a tough matchup. I think everyone has it fresh in their minds that about the the Chiefs just turning the the Jets over mercilessly last week. You know, picking off Ryan Fitzpatrick six times. Everyone knows that Marcus Peters, uh, the second year corner, is is just an absolute uh, threat, an absolute ball hawk stud. Um, and, you know, he's definitely going to be uh, matched up with Brown for a lot of that game. But I think Brown is just is just too good to where you really actually worry about who's covering him. Uh, so I, I think that he's still worth the, the high price tag. I think that some people might be scared off by that chief secondary, but I think that's even more reason why to, to take uh, Brown this go around. Uh, then uh, I like Mike Wallace at 6,700 going against Oakland. The Raiders rank... Uh, uh, 28th in passing uh, DVOA on defense, so you know they're towards the bottom of the barrel as far as their secondary is concerned. I think Wallace should be able to burn them deep. That's sort of his game. I think a lot of people last week uh, fell out of love with Mike Wallace when he dropped that touchdown. Uh, that's just something that happens. I, it's not something that, that I'm going to get too, too worked up about uh, to, to where I'm going to pass up on this matchup. And then uh, Travis Benjamin of the Chargers, uh, 6,600, very cheap. Uh, same reasoning as Gordon, where, but like with the receiver, with the receivers problem, you know, because Keenan Allen is, is out, and their other receivers just don't seem as reliable yet. So Travis Benjamin seems to have gained the early trust of, of your guy Philip Rivers, and I think that he's going to be able to to really kind of toast uh, that New Orleans, New Orleans secondary. Well, here's a chance where, where I'm going to go with Mr. Reliable uh, of the Cardinals. That's Larry Fitzgerald for 7400 bucks. He's on pace for another 100-catch campaign, looking like more of a factor in the red zone offense than he was last year. He's already caught three balls for touchdowns, so I'm counting on a lot of targets here as well as some red zone effectiveness. Again, he's been targeted for at least 10 uh, throws each game so far, and this matchup looks like it could be his most productive to date, just given the, uh, the makeup of both clubs. Uh, and then I tease both of these players. I'm going to go with Ju Julian Edelman of the Pats. I'm counting on his expected role as a high percentage possession receiver who should see a high volume of targets and continues to get rushing reps. And with Gronk's, Gronk's presence, uh, I think that the, the tight end will be a focus for the Bills and could free Edelman up for a bit more than we've seen from his first four games. There's also a chance, like we, like we highlighted, that he gets some reps at quarterback, and I'm thinking particularly in, in uh, the goal line circumstances, that might set him up for a rushing touchdown perhaps or a short touchdown yeah. toss. So that's where I see the actual value for him and a guy like Pryor, who I'm also on this week, and for $7,000 on Pryor and $7,200 on Edelman, they're not as high priced as you might expect, given the variety that they might offer. Uh, this guy, uh, for his part, Pryor has been targeted also over 10 times per week, but he, he's the, the Browns' lone game breaker. We know that. 
Uh, Gordon's mm-hmm. not going to be around for a while, so, so we know. If at all, I think yeah, he, might he might be done, done. done. He might be done, done, that's right, and that's a shame because there's a lot of talent wasted there. But back yes, to this. Yeah, in addition, for prior Literally. circumstance, they, they gave him reps at quarterback last week. He was three for five with 35 yards in the red zone as well. Same story as Edelman. This guy gets a rushing touchdown or throws a TD toss. He gets the 10 targets. That's, that's worth $7,000 to me. That's how I sell it. Uh, your tight end, John. Uh, I'm going to go with Hunter Henry of the Chargers. I, this is a big Chargers week for me. I think that, you know, similar to to going in, like, choosing players, going in Coors Field uh, in DFS baseball, I love using players against the Saints. And until they prove to me that they can, they can stop a nosebleed, I'm just going to keep going back to that well. So... Uh, Hunter Henry, you know, we got a problem where Antonio Gates is is still hurt. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to play. He didn't practice as of yesterday, so that's looking like he's trending downwards, uh, which means that Hunter Henry should get the start, see all the targets am- among the tight end group. I know he's a rookie. I know he fumbled last week, but he did catch all five of his targets last week, so you have to like that sort of reliable handedness or sure handedness from a rookie. I think that that probably gives Philip Rivers some confidence in, in throwing uh, Henry's way, just knowing that he's going to get that or he's going to catch the ball. Uh, so. 4500 extremely cheap for a tight end, allows you a lot of flexibility elsewhere. So I'm going to go with Hunter Henry going against the Saints. I love that call, but I'm staying in that game and going to the other side of the field, and I'm going to pick Kobe Flenner for 5400 a little bit more than your guy. After two low game scores, Flenner led the Saints with 11 targets, counting seven receptions for 109 yards and a TD against Atlanta last week. He faces an equally porous defense in the Chargers and should approach those numbers in a game that projects as a real shootout, we've teased it all, all through this episode. Given all these circumstances and the fact that Drew Brees throws the ball all over the field, this price looks like a bargain too. We've already talked about our kickers, so we'll skip over Hopkins, Bailey, and uh, the Arizona kicker. And uh, we'll go on to the uh, defenses, John. Let's take a look at the defense that you favor in this, this week. I like your boys. I like the Cowboys. Uh, I know they're, they're going out on the road, but... Uh, I mean, the San Francisco offense, to me, even though uh, Chip Kelly is the quote-unquote mastermind of it, uh, I don't know how impressive any of his offenses have been in recent years, and it certainly isn't looking so impressive thus far this year in this San Francisco edition. Uh, Blaine Gabbert looks to be getting worse every week, um, so that that you know kind of takes away the passing game, allows allows defenses to key in on the run. They should be able to stop the run, slow down Carlos Hyde, and with that, if they make Gabbert throw. Uh, then that's that smells like turnovers to me. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Uh, just I think that uh, the 49ers offense is so anemic that they're always going to be a team that I'll at least consider picking on uh, when I'm looking at my defenses for the week. Oh my! I smell a three and one record for my guys. I don't know if I can handle that rarefied air. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Giants for $4,400. That's a pretty cheap price for a matchup between the t- league's 10th rated defense against the second least productive offense in Minnesota when it comes to total yardage. That disparity is one of the biggest mismatches on the board that I see, and yet this is one of the cheapest defenses on today's list. So for me, that's an easy pick, even though I hate the Giants as a team. Fair enough. (laughs) My play of the... Your play of the day, John. I like Crowell. I really do. I I know that I've talked a lot about, you know, using a lot of chargers against the Saints, but... Crowell going against that Redskins front that just hasn't been impressive lately. And, and you know, team context-wise, you know, Kessler's just going to be handing the ball off, like, all day. And, and Crowell's just been ripping off chunk yardage. 
every time he's gotten the ball. So I really like his chances of, of hitting value. I can't believe he's only 6,600. Like that gives you so much room to, to like stack up uh, your highly priced receivers, your DeAndre Hopkins, your Antonio Brown, uh, even like your Brandon Cooks, who I think is going to have a bounce back week this week against the Chargers. I know that the Chargers have very good uh, cornerback in Jason Barrett, but they're actually, they rate very poorly against other teams. Number one receivers. I could see Cooks having a bounce back game. I think using Crowell opens your options in a, such a huge way that he's got to be my pick of the day. And I will counter with Pryor. I can't overlook that $7,000 price tag for a guy who can get the quarterback reps along with the, the number of targets I highlighted. So I'm, I'm going with the fact that he's going to be the most versatile player that gets on the field this weekend, and I think he's going to reward me big time for seven grand. So, uh, John, there we have it for our episode this week. Uh, for John McKechnie at Johnny McKex, I'm Paul Bruno. You can follow me at Statsman22, and we wish you good luck with your fan duel picks. Come back to listen to our podcast on a daily basis to get an edge of the competition. So long, everybody.